This episode is sponsored by the Environmental Working Group, or EWG. EWG's mission is to empower people to live healthier lives in a healthier environment. With breakthrough research and education, EWG drives consumer choice and civic action. From households to Capitol Hill, EWG's team of scientists, policy experts, lawyers, communication experts, and programmers has worked tirelessly to make sure someone is standing up for public health when government and industry won't. Through their reports, online databases, mobile apps, and communications campaigns, EWG has pressured companies to give up potentially dangerous chemical ingredients in their products. Learn more at EWG.org. On this episode, we have Ashley Ray. Ashley began her career in journalism and changed the trajectory of her life's work on a trip where she was introduced to the art of malas, which are beads used in meditation. That gave birth to her company, Mala Collective, which now partners with the likes of Goop and Ted, the producers of TED Talks. She's an avid hiker bound for the far reaches of the globe to explore and recharge while in isolation. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to be here. Thanks, Asim. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, Ashley, if we can go back to um, when you were a student and you were thinking about career choices, um, share with us what led to the decision to go into uh, broadcast journalism, because I know that's where you started out. Mm. So I've, I was ever since as a child, I wanted to be a journalist and I pivoted between wanting to work on the red carpet, wanting to go be a war reporter, just the the extremes. I wanted to experience every experience of journalism and storytelling. And I ended up doing uh, print, TV and radio, which was such a beautiful experience to see all three mediums of storytelling and interaction and how to share the stories of others in really beautiful, loving ways that landed for them and, and for others. And so I, I moved out to a small town in the country and became uh, an arts and entertainment editor. And then I also started covering murder trials. So it definitely uh, ran the gamut. I had very different days every day of the week when I became a journalist. That's amazing. Um, And you were born in Vancouver? That's right, yeah. And so where was this town that you went to? Well, I I actually studied just outside of Vancouver, then I moved to England, and I was a journalist in the UK. And then I applied for every job across Western Canada. And I got a small, small town job, this little farming town. So I moved from England to this really adorable farming town, which I I absolutely love. I spent five years there. It's known for corn. So there's lots of corn fields everywhere and mountains and lakes. It's, it's stunning, uh, but also a busy hub. So I was, um, you know, writing all day on my lunch breaks, going and recording the TV newscast and then in the evenings doing radio. So I was, I was incredibly lucky to, to be able to do all those things there. Wow. Amazing. Um, what took you to England? I received a scholarship to study. So I went to study international relations and journalism. So that was more uh, down the path of wanting to do war reporting and international development, international relations, but really curious around communicating 
um, between countries and working in the developing world and, and storytelling from those angles. That's great. Um, this idea of storytelling, I know that it really um, motivates and, and drives you. Um, what do you think it was um, growing up that uh, kind of inspired that? Ooh, I would say just curiosity. Um, I was always a very curious kid and I think being led by curiosity, I got paid to be curious as a journalist. Like it was the greatest thing. It was the greatest gift ever. And I would say curiosity, you know, I often reflect on that transition from journalism to entrepreneurship. What are the qualities that have served me? And I would say it's that is, is curiosity. So, you know, I think that the idea of being able to ask questions and share stories um, and always having a different day each day of the week was really invigorating and exciting to me. And again, journalism and entrepreneurship, I could describe the same way in that capacity. That's so fantastic. Um, when you went to this small town in Canada, and I love the way you describe it with this sense of um, uh, nostalgia, but also this, it, it moved you. Um, and I know, and this will come up later in the conversation, that um, you often um, go into these places of, uh, I don't want to say isolation, because that has a negative connotation, but you, you take time for yourself. You kind of give yourself that space, that, that quiet time. Um, was that the experience that kind of um, highlighted or, or uh, turned you on to this idea or, or, or had you crave it? Mm. I think I, I always craved exploration and new experiences and new places. And the idea of isolation, you know, I'm alone in a cabin in the woods in the mountains right now, three hours from a town. Uh, and I adore that silence. I adore the perspective of getting out of the hustle. And I do that through other ways too. So every year I go to uh, Nepal or, you know, somewhere usually in the Himalayas to go hiking for a week. And that gives me a very different experience of perspective and of silence that I can be in my body and out of my head. So I do like to push myself into uncomfortable situations that are still safe that I can really reflect and be with myself and dream and goal set and vision and uh, get out of the hustle of the day to day. I feel like it's really important for me to reground that way. So it's not only an exploration of new areas and geographies, it's also an internal exploration. Absolutely. I would say that my, my yearly hikes uh, are my gift to myself, whether I want to or not, because I, I notice a lot of resistance comes up before I go, who wants to go spend 10 days in Nepal in the freezing, you know, sleeping in these huts and you wake up and your water bottle's frozen. Like it doesn't sound like a holiday. And yeah, I, I love it. But the resistance comes up right before I leave. And then as soon as I get there, I'm always in deep gratitude of Oh, this walking meditation or these mountains are so much bigger than me and my problems are so small and so irrelevant. So I would say that the, the power of nature, the power of being in movement in my body and the power of connecting with new people that I never would have met, just everything, it's such an inspiring experience. When was the first year that you did one of these uh, gifts to mm. yourself? 
say maybe it was four years ago. So I've, that was a hike in Bhutan. Uh, Bhutan is spectacular. It's between Tibet and Nepal. And then I hiked Everspace Camp the year after, then Annapurna, both of those in Nepal. And then this past year I hiked in Japan. Uh, and then this fall I'll be hiking in Patagonia. So it's, it's also a beautiful way to see the world and see little slivers of the earth that I never would have seen otherwise. Um, this is slightly out of sync, but it's, I want to just flow with it. Um, and, uh, we'll get back to, um, the yeah. shift from journalism to, to becoming an entrepreneur, but, um, these hikes that you've taken, um, how do you choose your destination? Ooh, that's a great question. So the first hike, this, it actually was inspired because I used to be married and when my partner and I split, my commitment to myself was every year I would go away alone to get to know myself better. So that's what sparked it along with all of these other experiences. Now I realize it's a really deep meditation and I really value this, this time to myself. The first year I was researching pictures around the world of different hikes and different trails. It's actually quite overwhelming when you have nothing when we have so much choice and opportunity, I think most people think that they want that, but it can be incredibly debilitating or overwhelming because there's so much choice. You don't know where to start. Absolutely. And I was, yes, it, it can be overwhelming. And so I was researching pictures and images around the world. And I saw a picture of Tiger's Nest, this really beautiful temple that hangs off the mountain in Bhutan. And I just started weeping. And that was an incredibly visceral reaction that I hadn't had before. So I, I wow. just thought, okay, well, I'm probably meant to go there. So I booked it. What, what do you think it was? Was uh, just, what, what resonated with you? I think that I've always been really curious and interested in the culture and the tradition and the religions and the spirituality across Asia. And very specifically, very specifically the Himalayas, Tibet, Nepal, Bhutan. I, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. Well, I've always been deeply connected to it though. It feels like um, that emotional response you had from the Bhutan image. It's like you were really seeking something for mm. a while and you found it. And that's what, yeah led to that emotional outpouring i mean it feels amazing it's, uh, it's super cathartic i imagine um mm. i'm a bit envious as well because <laughs> i've never had such an experience so uh but i'm thrilled that that you had that thank you the serendipity of that experience it's quite hard to get to bhutan it's expensive you have to get a visa quite a few months in advance i think it all came together within seven to ten days it was an absolute, the whole thing was just this miracle that was meant to be. And it was just fantastic. I love that. That's so fantastic. I have to say, Ashley, it feels like this is more than just isolation and introspection. Like you are setting out to accomplish something. Mm. Yeah, I think that there is something, when I was reflecting on why that was my choice, you know, I think a lot of us look forward to taking a holiday and a lot of people prefer the beach, prefer, you know, all-inclusive holidays. And that, that for me doesn't interest me because I know that I will get bored pretty quick. Um, I, I like a challenge and I like to be able to challenge myself physically, mentally, and emotionally. But also, I think there's something so beautiful about 
getting really uncomfortable and going to new places that maybe aren't as um, revered as a holiday destination. I don't know. I just, I, I had a, a teacher, a meditation teacher in India who reflected to me that I find joy and struggle versus joy and ease. And I'm learning to find more joy and ease. So I would say there's many, many layers to the exploration of, the, of hiking for me. Well, it almost feels like there's a symmetry that you pursue, like the physical exertion and that effort and that attainable goal you mirror with your internal work. And I, I think that's mm. phenomenal. Ashley, when was the first time you meditated? Ooh, that is such a great question. Okay, I can, I can speak to that with the first time I intentionally sat down doing what I thought meditation was. Um, and it was very, this is not a typical first experience, but I was in Bali at the house of the high priest of Indonesia. Very intimidating experience. And I was sitting on a marble floor with maybe 150 other Balinese. And we had to just sit there in silence. And I remember closing my eyes. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was seven minutes. And thinking, yeah pretty good at this and, and I think I thought it was like an hour but it really had only been about five minutes and I opened my eyes I was like oh my god I have to do this for another hour hour and a half like it was a really long sit and so that was the moment I was like okay I don't know if I'm cut out for this uh, and then it got me the word curious again keeps coming up got me curious about like is this what meditation is meant to be is this is this what it is when people say I'm meditating uh, what if I can't sit here for an hour and a half on a marble floor and without getting distracted? What if my mind wanders? What if my leg falls asleep? You know, and, and all these thoughts came up around comparison of, oh, I bet that person beside me is totally Zen right now and totally chilled out. Who knows what they're going through? But I was, I was in such a place of unknown and that, that, that experience for me really sparked a deep dive and an exploration into what is meditation? How do people meditate? What are different forms of it? And is there a right and a wrong way to meditate? And I'm really of the belief, I don't like saying there is a right or a wrong way. There's different tools and practices and habits and routines and tips. There's this really beautiful quote uh, that all of man's problems arise from his inability to sit with himself or to sit with his thoughts. That's where meditation can become so intimidating is people don't want to sit with themselves and they often want distraction. So that is such a great share. Thank you. Um, now having done it for so long and uh, developed um, your own sort of, uh, I guess you could say rhythm for it or, you know, knowing how to go about it. Um, what does meditation mean for you? I would say meditation has really First off, it's completely transformed my life, you know, going from covering murder trials to working in meditation, my life has done a complete 180. So the meaning behind it is, I have never thought about this before. I would say just deep transformation. It's transformed my life. It's transformed my mindset. It's transformed my, my mind, my heart, my body, every, every aspect of my life, my friendships. But the, the way that it looks for me is often different. I do have a pretty, I don't want to say the word strict, but a very dedicated morning routine that I, I deeply love. And it starts the gratitude practice. 
journaling and some meditating. And not every morning do I want to be meditating. There's mornings when I'm sitting there and I'll have the most beautiful practice. And there's mornings where I'm sitting there going, I don't want to be doing this right now. And, and that's okay. And that's normal. And that's the real experience of it. I think it would be incredibly inauthentic of me to say I meditate every single day at the same time, in the same place. And every day I'm in, I've found a new discovery about myself. Like that's not, that's not the real experience. I don't, some days I forget. Some days I don't do it. Other days I go on really long walking meditations. Some days, you know, I'll find that practice in a yoga class. Someday I'll find, you know, I find it in different experiences. My favorite way to meditate is with my mala sitting on my cushion, which is a pretty, I guess I could say traditional way. Um, what I would envision a meditation practice looks like, but I, I really do embrace many different forms of, of practice. That was a fantastic share. Thank you for that. I appreciate the authenticity um, mm -hmm. and uh, being honest about uh, the experience. And I was just marveling that you went from that experience in Bali to now filming guided meditations that uh, so many people are watching. Mm, thank you. You know, I haven't thought about that experience in Bali for a really long time. So that's, it is really funny to put myself back in the beginner's mindset of what was this like how nervous and intimidated was I the first time I tried this and then how to how to hold space for that person who's just starting and open and wants to learn and they're curious and they're trying to connect with themselves so I I do I appreciate that reflection actually it's nice to go back to that beginning state of mind again now were you in Indonesia on a uh, journalism assignment no, so we actually, this kind of leads into how Mala started, if you'd like me to I would to love that. it, exactly yeah. where I wanted to go. Beautiful. Okay, so I had won a national award in journalism, and my partner at the time was running a company, I think maybe we were 23, 24, and we kind of reached this, I want to say peak, but when we were in our 20s, we thought we reached a peak of life where we thought, oh, this is what we dreamed of, this is what we wanted now what now do we do and so we quit our jobs and we went traveling i was very interested in seeing as much of the world as possible and we ended up in bali and we fell in love with these mala beads so these like it's like a, a rosary but it's like a gemstone prayer beads and we kept buying them for friends and for family and we were flying from bali to thailand and this woman came up to us and said your aura is so beautiful can I sit and talk to you? And long story short, she ended up being the woman who made the jewelry that we had bought. So very serendipitous, very, I, I don't even know other words, the synchronicity of the universe is just hilarious and beautiful and wonderful. And I would say Bali, Bali will always have a really deep place in my heart and in my life. And while that movie or that, that, story it sounds like a movie and it's very romantic and it's beautiful that was then followed by like nine years of extreme hustle and unknown of business ups and downs and hr and profit and law statements you know all of the unromantic side of things but that moment that created this change of path is it is quite actually very spectacular and beautiful uh, so i'm forever grateful for that moment of you know leaping in with with trust and just, okay, thanks universe. 
this is awesome. You must have put this person here for a reason. So let's go with it. That is so great. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that really just, that gave me a chill. <laughs> um, the synchronicity of that. So um, you were in love with these beads and you were buying them for friends and family. And um, at what point did you decide, wow, I'm going to create a business around doing this? Yeah, I would say like eight months, nine, or nine, 10 months later. And I don't even know if the intention was business. The, I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. They're definitely entrepreneurship is a very cool job now nine years ago I don't know if it was as romanticized as it is now um I knew journalism I didn't know anything but journalism in fact in the beginning we felt really bad for charging money for these things we thought how dare we make money off of somebody else's spiritual experience uh so we really struggled with the business aspect for quite a while in the beginning well, it's, um, you know, exchange is important and value exchange mm-hmm. is important. And we mm-hmm. hold those things dear that require us um, to, to, I mean, to pay for it seems like it's debasing it, but there's energy that was required to have the money to be able to pay for it. And it's that mm-hmm. energy exchange, doing something that is valued in the world and then getting, receiving something of value from the world. Um, that's meaningful and significant. And and I think as humans, we are oriented around that way to value those things more because Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, that took a few years to to figure that one out. Um, Definitely was giving things away for free to anybody who had a beautiful story. And everybody has a beautiful story. So that, you know, I had to really put some guidelines around that one and I and I do recall the moment that I thought you know just get over get over yourself there's if we don't thrive then this business doesn't thrive and if this business doesn't thrive we can't employ these artisans we can't share this experience with people that are looking for it so maybe you should remove that fear around charging and let other people experience this beautiful medium so it, it took a while to get there. And at that time, I didn't have peers and mentors I could speak with about business. I was still working full time as a journalist. Amazing. Um, and I appreciate that thoughtful share and discussion about um, pricing and, and, and mm. uh, profitability, because I think it's uh, people who are in uh, a similar arena um, in the wellness space um, grapple with that. And um, so I think it's a, it's important. We the, the right way to approach it is we we discuss, we talk about it, put energy towards doing that, and so that everyone can feel comfortable about what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I know that you have a very thoughtful uh, supply chain. You mm-hmm. travel to Indonesia and India regularly. You ensure that your suppliers are following uh, the the, the practices that you believe in um walk us through all that because i think it's mm. it's great to highlight and uh i'm just yeah. I've, I've always admired your energy and thoughtfulness around that oh thank you um i do feel incredibly grateful that i get to go to places like bali and india and nepal for work it's an absolute dream i'm very very grateful uh so for us a, a big part of what we're doing is 
you know, we didn't invent or create any of these products. We're helping people to bring them into their lives now. And maybe that means redesigning it into something that's really aesthetically beautiful. So you'll want to wear or have it in your home. So I'd say that the one of our core values is beauty is making a product that people will be proud of. Uh, and same with the beads, it, you know, if we're going to have something on our body, I would like to know that it's a real stone, it's not dyed, and that people made this with love, using traditions and practices uh, that have been long used in these, in the creation of these things. So uh, our malas, for example, they're all real gemstones. They're all hand knotted between each bead, and that is so that you can slowly turn each bead with each breath. So that's a very traditional way of making it. The gemstones is, you know, a lot of people believe that the different stones carry different healing qualities or whatever, whatever you, however you want to call it, however hippie you want to get about it, uh, they inspire different intentions. Um, and then the cushions, you know, making sure everything's recycled cotton and we make these beautiful chindi cushions. It's strips of overrun of cotton that are stitched together and filled with recycled cotton. Like I just, I love every, everything about that I feel so proud of. And the people that we work with, I go and meet them every year because it is important. You want to know people are creating this with love and with pride and with positive energy. So it's this attempt at merging tradition and authenticity and beauty. And I feel like, I feel like we're doing it. And I feel incredibly proud every time I see something come to life and come to fruition from, you know, a drawing or a sketch to seeing it in real life. It's actually incredibly humbling and it's super inspiring. Yeah, I just say, I have to say, very inspiring, the thoughtfulness, the care that you put in. And, um, you know, and, and I kind of framed it as you're ensuring that it um, stays true to the virtues of your brand. Um, but I love the way you described it, where you want to interact with people who are making the product you're selling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to just know this is a natural material from the earth and a human being made it and it's meant to inspire you. And there's, I don't know, I could get a little bit woo woo, but I do believe in the whole, um, just the, I know the word authenticity has lost so much weight because it's used so often, but um, I do find that that's a really powerful intention for us is making sure everything's truly authentic. No, it, um, we can adopt the word purist you're mm. a purist it's <laughs> a great word yeah that's a good and one it's uh, it's just, uh, just admirable that um you put that energy and effort towards it i've always been uh impressed with that so kudos thank you thank you that's that's fantastic um i love the way you framed that that's so well done um well um you've had it's been nine years you've had a number of years of um success uh, and of course hardships as well which you've um, touched upon uh, but let's talk about the some of these new exciting opportunities that are in front of you i know that you were recently in la for uh, a goop event and then now you've got this great relationship with ted so uh share about those please what I've noticed in the past nine years, meditation and mindfulness has really expanded and demystified might be a really a good word there, but understanding that meditation is not just for hippies and it's, you know, you're not going to levitate when you're sitting in, in, in your practice. 
but it's more mainstream and people are really curious about it, which is so cool because now we have these experiences like, you know, going to do an event with Gwen Paltrow in LA or, you know, now I'm recording meditations for TED to help them find mindfulness between their sessions. Um, we're also working on a lot of giving back and educate education to the community. So working on, okay, if we're, we're all at home right now, how do we bring mindfulness and meditation into our day to day? The past few years has really been building up the business and understanding how we communicate. And I would say now our focus really is community and really uplifting people and educating them and not, not just having the exchange of a product, you know, not just having a cash exchange, but being able to support somebody on their journey. So I've noticed that as we've really leaned into that experience that a lot of beautiful opportunities have come up. So we're really exploring that with, you know, a children's line with exploring lower price point lines for Amazon. I'm writing a book right now. So we're really looking at how do we reach people where they are right now and educate them with what they need and provide beautiful products. And I, I think it might look like it's all happened in the past like year, but it's, you know, that overnight nine year success story. So it's taken uh, some time. People are clearly looking for mindfulness and meditation more than ever before. So I'm grateful we can be here. That's so fantastic. And I love the way you framed it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's no doubt those experiences um, of those nine years, that's what leads to this and, and your ability to, uh, to capitalize and take you know, advantage of these opportunities. It's, it's all a result of that, that hard work. Ashley, what has been uh, a low point for you? Mm. Like this year or in the past nine years? Just any time. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, up to 33 and a half years old. <laughs> a <low point. laughs> I think that uh, I, I actually, on that theme of, of enoughness or being enough, I would say probably the biggest barrier that I had in the first few years of entrepreneurship was feeling, um, who am I to run this business? And I had a lot of blocks, but just a lot of self-doubt, like crippling, crippling self-doubt. This does not sound, oh, you didn't believe in yourself. No, it was to a point where I, that in that deep-seated imposter syndrome of like, oh, if only they knew I'm like, some 25 year old white girl answering emails at one in the morning and not this very experienced shaman living in Nepal. Like, not that I portrayed myself to be that, but there was something where I felt like such a phony uh, representing this business and spirituality when I was searching for the answers as well. And there was a lot of moments where I resisted this business and tried to get out of it and it got stronger. And that was weird. It was so weird to me to think, um, man, maybe this business is really special and it, it's, it is way bigger than me. And, and that's a pretty humbling feeling to know. Actually, Mala Collective is so much bigger than me and I just get to be the person that helps it along right now. And that's shifted, shifted for me. But there was one meditation that I, um, I did and it said, just, you just get over yourself because your fear, this self-limiting belief is robbing so many people of a positive experience. That's fantastic. What a great topic to touch upon. And, and hopefully um, all those experiences you've had or the, the data you've collected of your own experience has gotten you past that. And it, 
clearly has. Asha, I can't thank you enough. This was so exquisite. So such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I'm so, so grateful. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.